Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses. And you would think by now that I would know who the winners are, but I was, I was going to throw out today's guest. Frankly, if they hadn't come from my friend Devin Meadows, who is so into e-commerce, he understands what's going on in the space. He finds the right software. He finds like the right places to promote. The guy just knows his stuff. If he hadn't been the one to email me and say or text me and say, you've got to go check out Triple Whale, I think I would have, I know I would have passed on it because who heard of Triple Whale? And then I go Google them and I'd see nothing except they raise money. So I thought, okay, they raise money. At some point they're going to do well and I'll have them on. But Devin Meadows introduced me to them. Devin Meadows understands the space. I said, let's just say yes to them as soon as possible. And then I heard their, their business. I thought it was just, I thought Triple Whale just did a dashboard that told you in beautiful way, how much money's coming in, how your ads are performing, how your email's doing all that. And that alone would have been great. But they do so much more than that. And I have to be honest with you, I don't fully understand the whole thing. I know it looks beautiful. I know it makes sense like on the surface level, but there's more depth to it. And the company is doing better financially, like revenue-wise than I, than I ever could have imagined. And they're just getting started, still an early company. I invited the founder, Max Blank, on to talk about how Triple Whale built this uh, pixel service and the summary dashboard that is uh, so well-loved by e-commerce people like my friend Devin. And we could talk about his business and pry into his life thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first, if you're hiring developers, I'm going to tell you later, you should go to lemon.io slash Mixergy. And the second, when you're ready to do email marketing, you should go to sendinblue.com slash Mixergy. But first, Max, good to have you here. Thanks for having me. Your partner, your co-founder said he would that you're not going to reveal revenue, but give us some hint of how much money you guys are producing now. So we know how big the we business have. is. Yeah, I'll do what I can here. <laughs> uh, well, we, we grow, we're growing 30%, over 30% month over month. We have 3,200 merchants. Okay. Okay. And it's been about less than a year. Less than a year. Can we say in the millions in revenue? Are you comfortable saying that? Yeah, multiple. 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 Yeah. That's easily. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Less than a year yeah. in business. How do, we, how do you describe... I, I think I the dashboard is pretty January, straight. In January, we were at 1.5 in AR in January. Oh, you're way beyond that. You're multiples of that now. Can no, I, it's, it's more. It's, it's more than that. I'm just kind of giving you a taste. I'm locking this door because I know someone's going to walk in here. Like, Hold on. <laughs> Are you telling me numbers that you don't want the people on the team to know? No, 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 no. no. Okay. All right. <laughs> I think we've got a good sense of how it is. Let's talk about what the product no, is. Good. The dashboard is one part of it. What's on the dashboard? Yeah, the dashboard, the original idea was just the dashboard, I'll be honest. That was like, you know, that was going to be a cute idea. And um, it was really built for, for me to build, to, to be able to track my business. I was in the e-commerce business for, let's say, six years beforehand. Okay. And I, one of the biggest perks about running and owning your own business, your own Shopify business, is that you're basically not making any sales unless you are spending on ads, right? Okay. So one of the perks to owning one of these businesses is you get the, the rewards from the credit cards. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so that the, the reason All why the I'm miles. here is, we, yeah, and the, you know, you get the Amex card, and it's like three points to one dollar. You get the Chase Inc. They're not paying you, by the way, but yeah. you get the Chase Inc. card. You know, you get three to one on on, on ad or, or on ad spends and uh, shipping. It's just amazing, right? Why am I saying that? Is because. My wife and I, we had a business together. We get to that a little bit later. Yes. Um, we had a great business together. Uh, we like to travel. So we took our kids around. We traveled to like Africa. Like we, we traveled around the world. 
running the running these businesses. And I just couldn't stand like, okay, seeing where I am throughout the day on the business, I'd have to go into go into Shopify, which I love Shopify, but it doesn't have everything there. You go into Shopify and then you have to go into Facebook ads, go into Google ads, go into Klaviyo and see how your campaigns are performing on yep. the email marketing side. You got the two-step authentication, which was like a, you know, no one likes to get hit with that, even though everyone appreciates the security there. And it was just, that's just a piece of it, right? There's, there's many other tools you could check, but to get that high level, like where am I? It took time. So I wanted to just aggregate all of that onto my phone and have a beautiful experience. So that was literally what the dashboard, the, the summary page is. It's, it's a lot more now. It's super simple and it's beautiful and it's, it's got a stickiness to it and, and people love it. It, it acts as a, like a front page or mini feed, front page of your business, high level metrics um, that just shows you you know, your, your return ad spend, your sales, you put your net profit in there after you give us your cost of goods. And it gives you that, you know, that clarity. It kind of acts like a Robin Hood or like a Coinbase. Yes, exactly. It's you're, you're very like, you know, compelling. You're, yes. You're sitting there and you're like able to see like, where am I? Like a trader's workstation, but in your hand and you can see right. how things are going. So it's good for an owner operator in that regard. Okay, so that part makes sense. And that part, I'm sitting here going, why didn't someone come up with this 20 years ago? For every business, you should just have a clean, beautiful dashboard that tells you everything. Yeah. Then, and there were some people that I talked to who had tried it. I think one of the things that they got hung up on was over the years, data wasn't as available through APIs as it is today. And then a lot of them, yeah. frankly, didn't have, who is it on your team who's doing the design? A lot of them didn't have the design chops, so they gave you a lot of data and you felt like, ugh, I hate it's my too business. Overwhelming. Yeah, it's too overwhelming. First of all, a lot, excuse me, a lot of the uh, competitors out there, and there's a lot of them, right? You've got GDS, Google Data Studio. There's, there's tons of just different competitors, you know, Supermetrics or whatever it may be, which are great products. But what we found is that to be vertically integrated specifically with e-commerce, right? Give it a friendly design that we used to. So we, we're still using Polaris. I think we are using Shopify's like the design UI thing that they give out, you know, mm -hmm. um, which made it familiar to our merchants. So they already liked it. And it was just very simple. Where I was going with the competitors is that like, you don't want to use an analytics app for the average business owner. You, know, you don't want to have to learn something new. I don't like analytics. You know, it's just, I don't want to hire somebody to operate my analytics for me. Like, I just want to know. I want it done for me in a very simple way to understand. Yeah. That's what we really excelled at. And we do excel at right now. Okay. And the first version was that. Yeah. That's still like the main driver of usage today okay. is that summary. We've when I talked to your, more. I talked to your co-founder. Mm -hmm. Yep. And he said that that the pixel is the exciting part of the business. That's kind of the revolution, right? What is the pixel part? Okay, so I'm not going to go super technical on it because mm -hmm. I'm not on the technical side and I can't like break in and go underneath the hood just because I wouldn't do it justice. I'm going to give like the the summary page yes. style of it. You know, Especially like since this is the beginning we're getting to know you and then I want to know how you got here and I want to know about that previous business that led you here. So yeah, give me the big overview of what the pixel is. Yeah, I'm sure everyone is familiar. I'm sure you are with the update in the iOS 14.5. You know the the policies, the privacy policy stuff, and the you know the, the party tracking and all that stuff. Having Apple allow their, their users to opt in to be tracked by applications, right? So that that whole update really just threw a wrench in the online marketing and, and uh, paid media world because you can't track as well as you could before. <laughs> You cannot track on the platforms as on the actual platforms as well as you could before. A lot of the platforms now model data 
They don't have, they, they can still do it, right? But they don't do it because that's against the policy of, of Apple. So what's happened is there's, there's basically a decoupling of deploying media and measuring the media from the channel itself. So right now what you do is you deploy the media and you have to measure it from a software like ours, which has a first party um, pixel, which basically is allowing Shopify merchants to have their own way of tracking users through, right? From the channel to purchase. Say from Facebook, Facebook will tell you which ad sent the person over. Now that you've got them, you can't use Facebook's tracking anymore. You have to have your own tracking that says, this ad that Facebook sent over, did they convert into a sale today and then down the road? And that's what you're adding to to the mix. That's your pixel. Okay. Exactly. I'm, that it, it, it is super high, like just high level to understand. Right. For the majority of people, that that'll give it to you. You can no longer rely on the in-channel metrics. You have to have your own first-party way, like that you own, essentially. Yes. To measure it. Yeah. And that's why it's so exciting that it's not available anymore from Facebook. People are now looking. Merchants are looking for new solutions, and you yes. could be and are that. And as I'm talking, I see your face light up, and I get it. All right. Let's go back to how you got into this. <laughs> so it's, not, it's not just. But it's not just Facebook, right? It's it's all the platforms. You okay, come in TikTok, right. Google, Snapchat. That that's why it's super exciting. Having a first party cookie, pixel, whatever you want to call it, right? The ability to track multi-channel, right? Mm-hmm. Used to be uh, a nice to have kind of solution. Like if, as you're spending tons of volume, you really want to dial in on your attribution, like to the detail as a, as a high spender. So having a solution like ours had been. In the past, something that was nice to have, now you have to have it, right? You cannot, you're, you're driving blind without something like ours. Because you know how much, how many people are coming from those platforms to your site, but you can't tell whether those people are converting into customers, into email subscribers, et cetera, unless you have your you own can. pixel. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm with you on yeah. this. Let's go back then and understand how you're doing it. This business that you and your wife had, it was hair braids, yeah. extensions. Yeah. So I asked you before we got started, what's a guy like you? Short hair, yarmulke, nice glasses. I dig them a lot. <laughs> so you clearly I, yeah. have taste. What are you doing in the hair extension business? How'd you get into it? That's a great, yeah, I like this story. <laughs> um, okay, so let's let's back it up even a little bit more. Okay. I, like my whole entire, I didn't have a job. After college, no job. I just went, hit the ground running and just learned marketing entrepreneurship on my own. Right. I had a few other startups and a lot of really fun adventures in my in, in the past like Like what well, give me a sense of them. I, I was kind of looking you up on LinkedIn and I saw campuscasa.com. Um Yeah. But I didn't get a sense of you as an entrepreneur before the wig business, before this. Yeah. So I studied geriatrics and long term healthcare in college. Okay. Okay. <laughs> At Ohio University. Um, my senior like you know, my my senior year I got involved with a friend of mine who had a, the start of a startup that was essentially a Groupon, a Groupon clone, but for college campuses, okay? And if you remember, like, 2010, Groupon was, like, the hottest thing, like, the group buying thing. I don't know if you, if you remember that. But. I do remember it, yes. So I was a senior. Uh, senior. I think I took a five-year journey through college. So I was on that okay. victory lap. Anyway, okay. <laughs> anyways, um, so he had this product. He was ready to go. He had a beautiful site. It's called Keg Fly. Okay, this was like back in the in my early days here. I got involved in that and helped them scale it uh, to about like fifteen different college campuses. Okay, and um, through like my fraternity network, I remember that. 
Uh, and then that thing died after like, you know, eight months or whatever. And then we started a campus marketing company and started targeting um, startups that just raised money to then do acquisition on college campuses for them. So I did that ah, for a while. Like as a service? Yeah. You yeah. would, the same network that you had through your fraternity yeah. and through your own business, you said, I could turn this on to your business, pay us, and we'll get, yeah, yeah. got it. Okay. It's a great yeah, idea. Yeah. Yeah. So it's called College Vault, I remember. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's going down memory lane here. This is, this I like is it. Nice. This is nice. Um, and then the friend of mine was, um, he was in Israel and he was, um, a more of a religious guy, Jewish religious guy. I was not at the time and working with him. He's now like one of my best friends, like a, practically like a brother, uh, through working with him. I just started asking questions and wanting to learn more and more about my culture and heritage, which then I went over to Israel and started learning more about it. And I ended up, I went for three weeks and I stayed for like five years over there. Okay. I really dove in. Okay. Um, so that's how I got the yarmulke, uh, full-time yarmulke over here. Um, uh-huh. When I was in Israel, I became religious. I also started a program bringing students to visit and tour the Israeli startup culture and the, okay. the startup nation, right? So right. It was just, it was hot. People were talking yeah. about it. And you said, yeah. let me bring you in and let you sh- let you see it. Okay. Yeah. So I partnered with different organizations and that's what we did. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I got a lot of very cool exposure. We met like the Wix, or we met Wix, we met uh, Waze, like we had lunch with the CEO of Waze, I remember right before the, I think the Google acquisition that happened, you know, yeah. it was just such a cool experience. Um, and then I'm like, you know what, I'm going to get, I'm going to get back into the college thing. I'm going to raise some money, start a team up. And my friend from Kegfly, he and I got back together and we started another company that was called Campus Casa. And that, that was a Zillow for college towns to help college students find housing around their campuses. Got it. Okay. All right. Now take me to the to the hair extension business. How did you do hair that? Extension. And then because that one did really well, which is good. Yeah. How'd you get into that? that? Was good. Yeah, campus costs died. I moved back to the states with my wife and my son at the time. Okay, we went back to Columbus, and I needed to get into some cash flow. So I started an agency helping Amazon sellers um, diversify. So not just to be on Amazon, but to have a Shopify store, so that you know you. You're not just a one-trick pony, but you have multiple you know, income streams coming into your business. Through that consulting, I learned how to build Shopify sites. I learned how to acquire customers, run Facebook ads, learned more about supply chains. I then got into, I'm, like, I'm just going to start my own brand and run this thing on my own. And I started doing arbitrage, like just drop shipping, Facebook uh, ads. Because as a consultant, Express. you got to see what was working for them. You had ideas of your own. You said, okay, I'm just going to yeah. do this. And how did drop shipping work for you? It was great at the beginning. Um, uh-huh. it, long-term, it, the, that type of drop shipping does not work out long-term. Because? Um, just, the customer experience is not, is not good. Long shipping times from overseas. Um, quality control is poor. It's just not all good long. It's, a, it's like a cool cash flow arbitrage. Let's learn how to do this type of business. Okay. Very low risk. Um, what happened is that I, I tried to take the supply chain and bring it over to the States into a warehouse. And when I did that, very zero experience with finance and almost just blew the whole thing up. Meaning <laughs> you went from drop shipping where you only paid for something after you got As the you sale and then they shipped it to now buying everything, storing everything and taking the risk on whether you could sell it or not, but also paying up front before you get paid. Exactly. And, and that didn't not work. Under, 
it didn't work because of the lack of experience. And I almost, again, I almost blew that thing up. I almost went bankrupt. It was, wow. <laughs> it was challenging. Okay. Yeah. But I, so that was a business that I, it was called Ivy and Fig. I ended up selling that and just getting out of that trouble, that financial trouble. I call that the laboratory. Okay. Um, that's, and then my wife comes up to, we did well with that business, relatively speaking. We scaled it in its first year to like three and a half million dollars. Um, but then we got into a little bit of, you know, a little trouble there and I ended up getting out of it, which was great. How did you get and out of the trouble? I, I sold it. You sold it. Minded. Okay. Yeah. What were, what are some of the products that you were selling back then? Handbags, like um, synthetic leather handbags. Got it. Jewelry. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you sold that, got out of it, didn't go bankrupt, but what happened next? Yeah. So my wife had a cool idea. So religious Jewish, a lot of religious Jewish um, women, when they're married, they'll cover their hair either with like a wig or with like a cloth. Okay. Got it. Yeah. You hear it. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, now I'm starting to see how it connects. Okay, got it. So the yarmulke that we talked about That's earlier, it's a, yeah. That's why I had to give you the whole, the whole thing, right? Okay. And I should say for people who don't know, the yarmulke is the Jewish religious head covering for men, and so you're saying women have their own version of this. Okay, so connect this yeah. to what you were yeah. doing next. All right. So my wife had this idea. Um, when you accessorize the the wig, and um, it's basically a hair braid, right? So a synthetic hair braid. Okay. And we saw them in stores and they were always pretty expensive. And like, you know, this could be a cool project. Let's plug it into our supply chain connections overseas. Okay. And you know, let's try to see if it'll work, you know. Um, and then we named Madison Braids. My wife had the whole concept and did a little R&D on her own. And we had our own photo shoots, set up okay. the site. I knew how to run ads. Um, the idea to go to market was let's, we found a, a site that does daily deals for like modest, like religious people that are looking for mo modest clothing or modest, you know, whatever. Wait, there's a Groupon for Jewish women who want deals on modesty clothing? <laughs> it's a deal site, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. Isn't this something for, something for everyone, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So anyways, go. All we, bought, right. we, we bought ads. It's called Metzias. I don't know how to spell it. But, uh, so we bought some ads on there, right? And the idea there was so they, they it was a, a deal site that sent you traffic directly right so you're not paying a marketplace you're not paying right you're getting the traffic directly and so we had the pixel the facebook pixel on our site we bought traffic from this daily this deal site they sent us traffic we pixel it we retargeted them okay and it was great it was working you know and then my wife's like you know this thing could probably work not just for the small little niche of religious jewish women this is a cool product let's try it out so what we did is that we changed some of the imagery, some of the marketing. We made it a little bit more appealing to the masses. And I had the pixeled customer data from that daily deal site. We went onto Facebook when lookalikes, lookalikes are still amazing, right? Lookalike audiences. We made a lookalike audience off that data. Okay. Went onto Facebook. Our audience went from like, you know, a couple of thousand to like a couple of million, right? Because that, that powerful lookalike. And we took that business from like 50K in the first year. The second year, we did like $700,000. And then the third year, we did 3 million. And then the fourth year, we did like almost seven and a half million dollars. And um, that experience was wild. Wow. And the ads that we're talking like I about. I think we sold, yeah. I think we sold like 600,000 of those braids all over, maybe even more. Is, this, the it, is this the website, by the way? I'm, I'm looking at an okay. old version of the site. Is this you? That's an old version. That's like the first version. Where'd you get that? <laughs> Internet archive. That is like, 
that woman is beautiful. There's nothing modest about what she's like, what she looks like. <laughs> but, I didn't even that's a long time ago. So that yeah. is after you started shift. Oh, and I see some more of the modest uh, photos in there. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful looking site. But the magic, it seems like, was your ability to advertise and your understanding of how to retarget using Facebook's pixel. Am I right about that? Yeah, and then make a look like off that that data. And then make a look alike off of that. And so what else did you right. do to get the original audience that then you would pixel and then look alike? Were you buying other ads in other places that were interesting? No. Nope. Nope. Where did Not you buy cool. ads? Was it all Facebook ads at some point? No, at the beginning it was just from that modest website. That was it. That was it. So Yeah. So I'm saying from that, that was like the seed, right? Okay. The seed of the of the retar- that created yes. the retargeting audience, right? Once we had the retargeting audience in Facebook, we can then take that audience and make a lookalike, which then took an audience of, let's say, 10,000 people, okay. right? 10,000, or let's say a couple, let's say 10,000 purchasers, something like that. Yep. It then takes them and finds people that look like it. And Facebook then finds you like 2 million people, up to 20 Got million it. that could, right? That's how the lookalikes work. They use the data sets. To- uh, and it was just ongoing lookalikes audi- audiences built off of who bought, built off of who looked, and well, then once, retargeting. Is once, that- you, once you have, yeah, that initial me. seed audience. Once you have that initial seed audience, uh-huh. right, and you make that look like you no longer, I no longer need to buy ads anywhere else. Facebook just did it all, saying it was all there. And then you have your, you know, your email marketing, your SMS marketing, and you know, you're able to just build a business around that. How did you know how to create the right creatives? How did you know how to adjust and what to create, what to sell? You know, let yeah, me that's, a- that's a good, that's a good yeah. question. You know, let, let me take a moment to talk about my sponsor and then we'll get into that. I should tell I you, uh, my sponsor is Send in Blue. It's email marketing software that does basically what all the other email marketing software does, the best of them, which is like, you want to target people, you want to be able to slice up your audience, you want to be able to tag people based on what they've done before so that you can come back to them. The problem with a lot of email marketing software is it's cheap in the beginning, maybe even free in the beginning, and then they start to ratchet up the price once they got you because they know, yes, you own the email addresses, but it's going to be a pain in the neck to move them over to a different provider, so they might as well raise the prices on you. Send in Blue says, you know what? We'll give you all that stuff, everything that the best of the, of the email marketing software packages have, and we also do SMS and other marketing too. We'll charge low price in the beginning, low price as you continue. That's their, that's their value prop. Anyone out there who does not have an email list, you should go and get one right now. And Send in Blue is a great company to work with. Sendinblue.com slash Mixergy is my URL. Well, frankly, you give me credit for sending you over, but also you'll get a discount on their already low price if you use it right now. That is sendinblue.com slash Mixergy. Grateful, grateful to them for sponsoring. Yeah, so you were starting to say, how'd you come up with the creative? How'd you know what to put up on your site? And how'd you know what to create, like, product-wise? Yeah. Creative for advertising. I mean, I was already in the advertising game on Facebook for a few years. So you sort of have a feel of what's going on. And, you know, you know what's kind of relevant. You know what, what should work. Um, I would say one of the, the most difficult challenges of running a business that's heavily reliant on just CPA arbitrage, essentially, right, is you do need that creative all the time. And what will happen is that you'll have creative fatigue. So your creatives will work for a bit and then all of a sudden they're not working anymore. So to be able to preempt that with a flow of creative um, is, is like the secret sauce to keep that spin wheel going, right? So we were very active on Instagram. My wife was with, uh, with Madison Brains. And we had people just coming to us and, and they would just start tagging us because they bought the product and they posted it on Instagram. And then we just saw ones that got a lot of traction 
And we asked them if we could use it in advertising. We worked out a deal or whatever it may have been. And that's how we saw that like, oh, these, in, these like micro influencers that have smaller audiences, well, that's a great way to get great creative for our business. So we're always, you know, preempting creative ah, burnout. Got it. So we saw that. So once we saw that, the vision really was how can we get a heavy flow, like a heavy flow of these creatives coming in from diverse, diverse different, different people, different backgrounds, different looks, mm-hmm. and consistently have them in, in the ads testing. So I hired AJ, who was helping with the ads. And we could talk about AJ, who's my co-founder on Triple Whale. He came on to help me run the ads. I also hired his wife, and she's fantastic. And she helped build out this influencer program at okay. scale where we were able to leverage virtual assistants to help us reach out to micro-influencers. I think we got about, not exaggerating, about 8,000 micro-influencers to provide us video content and um, images in exchange for free product. And a lot of times we do rev shares with them. But we had this flow of just great creative. You were sending them products. They would take pictures and videos, make sure that you had the ability to do it. And you would also keep track of how you were and whether you were paying them. So maybe it was just giving them a product to talk about, or maybe it was then you need to tag them so that you can give them affiliate commissions. That whole operation was up and running. Yeah. And and that's, that's a whole, and that's an amazing way to scale up your ads and to have that content. There's a ton of power there, even from a top of the funnel acquisition stream. You know, it's a lot to manage. It's a lot to track. So there's there's a lot of companies right now doing that. You know, they're just helping with that whole process. But that's like... that. Then that that's something that we have also in Triple Whale right now, which we'll get into later. But you'll see how like this story. I'm trying to paint the picture as to how I got to Triple Whale, and this is part of that as well. It feels like this whole right. influencer CRM and outreach is a whole business onto its own. I mean, 100%. there are businesses in there that could have been the business that you created as a follow up, but you didn't yeah. because. Well, let's fast forward. AJ came and worked with me you know, two and a half years ago, along with Yvonne, who's our CTO. Mm-hmm. They had, those two together had a startup for many years in Israel. When that was slowing down, I hired both of them to build out the first version of Triple Whale. And um, we worked on that for about, let's say, a couple months, and it was great. But I'm like, AJ, come, let, let me just train you how to run ads and run the business. AJ got some side gigs for Yvonne to get some income for him to keep him around because he's super talented and a pleasure uh-huh. to work with. AJ and I started scaling. I trained him and started scaling up the ads and taking a lot off my plate. And at some point, he's like, okay, I'm going to move to Columbus. <laughs> he brought his, his wife, his kids, moved to Columbus, like literally down the street. He was living. We go to the uh-huh. same synagogue, right? Um, and we just, through like COVID, there's a COVID bump when everybody – he closed down and online became like the right. way to you know consume, but it was the CPAs and C, C, um, CPMs came down, and so there was an arbitrage period where you could just scale your ads, and it was pretty wild. And this is Madison that. Braids that you were doing that, yeah. Okay, so yeah. you were able to continue to grow more online sales, uh, coming in all the time, and your cost of acquisition was going down. So the business is growing. He's now here in the U.S. with his family. Yvonne is getting what work with you also at this at the same time. He's a little bit of work with me here and there, but mostly we AJ managed to get him some projects, some projects from just different okay. people that are building things, right? So like a okay. development house, you know, part time stuff. And it was great. Um, and then when that when when the COVID bump kind of right like got more regular, it wasn't so much of a bump there, right? Things opened up, got back to normal. So 
Now you have a ton of businesses that are on Facebook advertising. So the saturation is massive, right? Costs are up in general. You have to diversify in order to make it, right? Margins got squeezed on Madison Braids big time. AJ decided to focus and even on Triple Whale. We got it up to like a beautiful product. We then, this is about a year and a half ago, we then went to market via Twitter. And this is a great community on Twitter. And more people just started using it and using it. And they loved it. And I think it was that whole COVID, post-COVID reality with higher cost to advertise online, the need to diversify. People just loved it. They wanted real-time, great, simple design in your pocket. Boom. And we got a lot of people to start to use this thing. And then a few months later, we had the iOS update. And then our customers were, or our users, I wouldn't call them customers yet because we weren't really charging much for it. Like, can we get a Pixel? Can you help us with, not, not a Pixel, but can you help us with the iOS 14.5 update in, in the state of advertising right now? So that's where we discovered that we should go all in on this attribution game. How did you know that Triple Whale, the, the dashboard product, would be worth pursuing as a standalone product, a standalone business? Why wouldn't you say, you know what, we got Madison Braids, the whole company is called Madison Brands, so there's a sense that you're going to create other brands. Why not just create, I don't know, nail extensions or something else? Yeah. How did you know software and this specific one was the one to go in on? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I did not think Triple Whale would catch on as as much that it, like it did. AJ had a vision because he and I were working very closely together, and I would bother him all day, like, "What's our ROAS? What's our, you know what's going on here?" Um, a lot of repetitive tasks, and that's that's really what made him go all in. Was like, you know what? I'm going to automate a lot of things I'm doing, and that was like a real big business to him. And I agreed, but I was running Madison. He was running Triple Whale essentially, right for a while. With, you know, we, I was not full time on Triple at the beginning. Right? I was running my business. He was really full time on Triple. People started to love it. We got a ton of traction. Madison like just started to get less and less interesting to me because mm. software is a SaaS is a great business. You know what I mean? The, the multiples are higher, right? The retention is amazing with a good product. You're not playing the CPA arbitrage game with such tight margins that you are on a business like Madison where extensions and hair is like super competitive. Right. And as that thing grew, I started putting more time into it and it started to grow and grow. And Yvonne, AJ and I, we made an amazing team and we ended up raising a pre-seed round from our customers, from our early customers and agencies and different partners yep. that we had, that we had gotten over the years, raised a million dollars, you know, back in, I want to say July of last year. And we built a bit more. And then October, we raised three and a half million dollars with some great growth. And then just six months ago, or not six months ago, sorry, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, we closed our Series A. And in that sorry. time period, we in that time period, we raised about $27 million total in about nine months. And now we have 76 people working for us. <laughs> why why did you raise money? It seems like your background would lead into some kind of bootstrap business that just continues to crank out. For a while. Yeah, it was bootstrapped. You know, it's it's tough to like put all your money into something and like you have a huge vision, which my vision in AJ's vision is in Yvonne, it's very big, right? It's if you take the whole vertical of being a merchant, right? A Shopify merchant, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of pain points. The biggest pain point for sure is advertising and attribution, inventory management, 
creative management, right? The creative game we were talking about before, right? Getting the yes. influencers and knowing what you have. Finance, understanding your cash flow. I didn't understand cash flow. That's why I almost went bankrupt, right? Yeah. <laughs> With the IV and Fig, the first e-commerce business. There's a lot here. And we wanted to have the ability to scale up a team and to bring on great people that are way better than we are you know, in terms of performance and whatever. Just get great people to get in and do their thing. And that's, that's the way you raise money. All right. And so the first version, totally free. Anyone on Twitter want to try it, can try it, hook in, get the data. Eventually, I see now the lowest price is $100, right? 100 a month? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How was uh, starting to charge? How was the transition from free to paid? And then what did you have to add to justify it? So let me, let me just correct you. The, maybe the first 10 people had it for free. Um, we did charge like 50 bucks. Right? You can call it free. But <laughs> we did charge like 50 bucks in the beginning. And a lot of big brands were on it. You know, like brands doing 50 to $100 million a year were paying us $50 a month to use the dashboard. It was costing us more money per month to, <laughs> to be able to provide it. And we saw the usage was like unbelievable. They were coming in like, you know, six to eight times a day checking the application. There's got to be more here. What can we do here? Right. So then I started to just get on the phones and call people and make deals with agencies. And I remember I got one of the agencies from Madison Braids, which I'll give them a shout out quickly if you don't mind. Apple Group, they're great. They're a DC brand. They were our first agency. Um, and I got them to leave one of our competitors to roll out our, our, they're like, if you just can add business insights, like cohorting and analysis, so we'll bring everybody over. And boom, we did it. And they came over and it was great. Like we went from 50 bucks to like 200 bucks a month per store and I got a few more agencies and that's kind of how gradually just went up, just being on the phones with people, talking to your customer, understanding, we're selling to two customers, we're selling to agencies or we're selling to an owner operator of a store. So understanding the relationships and how that would work on our application and sort of building an app for two different audiences was definitely challenging, but we managed to do that. And then when the pixel came out and we already had, let's say 600 customers paying us, let's say 50 bucks a month. We knew they needed a Pixel, and we just saw what, there were competitors in our space with the Pixel, like a Pixel-type service. We saw what they were charging. We charged a little bit less, and we pre-sold it. And like overnight, our revenue like quadrupled uh, with that pre-sale. And then we had like two months basically to deliver, and that's how we started upselling. When you were talking to customers soon after you launched, what did you find out that was surprising or non-intuitive that you wouldn't have been able to do on your own? The- because as you were talking to them, you're already a merchant, you're already in the space, you're already working with agencies. What did they tell you that you didn't know? Yeah. yeah. The owner operators that I was speaking with, mm-hmm. before, I, I didn't, before I would tell them that I actually was a merchant, they actually would ask me if I was a merchant because we made the product so, like, yeah, I made right. it for myself, right? And they were like, right. whoa. It's amazing, right? People wanted mobile first. They wanted it clean. They wanted it done for them. And so that was a great conversation. Um, I don't want to say I didn't learn anything there because you're always learning something, but the real learning curve for me was to understand how agencies would use it just because I didn't understand that world so much. I mean, a little bit, but they have their teams, they have pods, they have clients and they have reporting. And so that was a different, that was a learning experience to understand how to build a product for them. Yeah. Got it. Because they need things, for example, like, I guess, white labeling to show their clients, here's your dashboard, not your triple whale dashboard. Is that the type of thing? No, we no. didn't white label. No, it's more understanding what's their current tooling that they're using. Okay. What are the problems around that? 
Um, there's a lot of overlap with the owner operator and the, the version of the app. It's not very much different, right? They just added a few more things. What people really wanted was a, a better reporting. So we created better reporting for their clients. They wanted to be able to roll up all of the metrics of all of their clients across different niches that they're managing. So we created a, um, a portfolio view so they could roll up how the agency was doing. You can see like what's their uh, average row at. Right. So that was huge. And that's right. great. And it also works for um, roll-ups, right? So you have a lot of roll-ups right now in our space, in the BBC space that are buying up brands. Right. I see that. So we talked to a lot of guys like that as well, and they could utilize a lot of the same things that an agency would utilize. Do you still own Madison Brands, Madison Braids? Yeah, yeah. You do. It's it's definitely like uh, let's just say it's not as interesting as it used to be. Why not sell it? <laughs> I'm working on it right now, but it's first of all we use it a lot to t- test new things, and I think like mm, all of yeah. our developers are in there every day, and I just whatever. I have a friend who's running it a lot of the stuff for me, but it's very much like a side thing, and I like to I like to still have it because it keeps me plugged in that initial you know, right. source of the problem, but it's nothing that I'm pursuing to grow necessarily. Does it have but more yeah, than 20% uh, uh, like profit at the end of the day? Do you get more? No, not even that. I saw you win since no. I said that. No. <laughs> no, this is such a tight space. It, it really tight. is, it right? Tight. Yeah, especially now with ad costs going up. And I mean, obviously not just ads, but more importantly, the attribution is, is broken, you know, so for sure. All right. I want to talk about my second sponsor. And then I'm curious, like, what do we take away from all this? Like this right now is good for you. Good also for anyone who's listening, who has an e-commerce store, who wants to sign up. But what does someone who's listening get to take away from this that helps them say, here's how, what I could learn from Max about how to build a business. All right. The second sponsor though, I should say it's lemon.io. Dude, I talked to Alex, the founder of lemon. I thought he was doing poorly. I just talked to him earlier today because he's in the Ukraine, Ukraine, not the Mm. Ukraine, excuse me. In Ukraine, he comes back from Germany from vacation. Suddenly, there are tanks in his country. He gets out of there. He actually ended up going to Israel. He goes to Israel. I, his people are are under attack trying to figure out how to work. I thought his company was was down and that he wouldn't want to buy any more ads for me. He says, actually, Andrew, we're, we're growing. How is this guy growing? Mm-hmm. I look into it. And this is the thing that just drives my energy. He's growing because he's not shutting up. He's up on Twitter all the time. He's checking in with his developers. His developers still can move out of the country, and many of them have and continue to work if they want to. Um, His team is still getting paid whether they can work or not because he committed that he's going to keep paying them even if they can't work. And because there's all this attention brought on Ukraine, people are paying attention to his loud mouth, and he's realizing, wait, I've been been only getting developers from Ukraine. There's this whole Eastern Europe and all European um, countries that I can hire developers from or bring them on. He brought them on his network, and now entrepreneurs are talking to him, getting matched up with developers in countries where – they're smart people, but frankly, where the wages are lower, he's matching them up and his team are matching them up. His business is growing. He's doing better this year than last year. He's still committed to giving his money away. So he's not going to be profitable. He's going to continue to use it to support the people who work for him, who work for him and others. Um, and the reason I'm saying all this is because if you've been listening to me and you heard of Lemon.io as the place to go and hire developers because they have smart developers and they also have uh, lower prices, you should know they're also run by an amazing man who he's got to be exhausted. I could see it in his eyes, Max, but he's hmm. building this company and it's 
because he's helping entrepreneurs like the ones who are listening to me. If you are looking to hire developers, he will find you a developer that is just right. Do it quickly for you. Won't flood you with resumes and allow you to work with them. You just do need to work with someone remotely. But uh, these days, most people are. Go check them out. If you use my URL, I'll get credit. And I always appreciate you for doing it. You'll also get a, um, a discount on their already low prices. And they'll match you up with Phenomenal Developer. Go check them out by going to lemon.io slash Mixergy. Max, I'm so excited about what he's been I'm doing. I'm there. I'm there right now. You'll love <laughs> them. You'll love Alex himself. Great guy. I think I want to meet Alex. <laughs> Actually, no doubt. I'm going to connect you with it. Let me do this. This is what I always do. <laughs> In 25 minutes, remind me to follow up with Alex and Max. That's all my Siri. I'm Siri all yeah. the time. Are you on Siri all the time? I do love that. Yeah, I, I, But I do, I have all my like top you know, people that help me run, help us run the business just on WhatsApp. I just do voice notes all day. It's like, uh, all but day. I yeah. do do reminders with Siri. What else do you use as like your personal tips for being more productive, Max? This is constantly a struggle in a sense. Like I just, there's so many tools out there. I try to commit to using Asana. Our company's using Asana and they're doing a, a good job there. But I honestly just use like uh, a notebook <laughs> and just write down to do's. I do talk to a bunch of entrepreneurs who are not big on using whatever project management tools that their company uses. They're, they operate under something else. What is it for you then? If it's not going through a task list that you set up for yourself or other people have, how do you manage your day? Yeah, it's, I, I, very much, I started being very much um, obsessed with my calendar, like just making sure that only relevant things are on there and that things don't get scattered. So if I have one-on-ones with heads of departments, I used to sort of have them like willy-nilly throughout the week, but one day a week, I'm just going through like today is that day. It's towards the end. It's just like back to back with all the people I need to meet with. And then Mondays, I do the same thing. And then I have my notepad for my to-dos. Long projects, like I guess, you know, like big projects we're working on that I have to co- collaborate with. I have an Asana. I mean, then to the company, we just started to implement OKRs, right? So, and that's that's been a challenge, right? It's uh, more of an operating system, but it's it's powerful. And so it just keeps us focused and, that's my way of doing things right now. It could definitely be better, but it's working. What about the the big ideas that will help? Like, where do the ideas come from that help grow your business? I help you know what to get into. Yeah. Um, being very active on, trying to be more active. I wouldn't say I'm very active, but pretty active on Twitter and talking to okay. people in that community. Speaking to other, either SaaS founders or DVC founders, understanding what's out there. He's keeping my ears and eyes, you know, I mean, open. When you're looking for ideas, are you seeing what's working for you? Or are you going out and saying, what are your problems? We need to figure out a way to add the solution to them to triple whale. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get out of what's not working for me, what's working for me, because I'm becoming more and more like removed from being a merchant every day. Right. Okay. And so I don't, I want to also move away from this anecdotal, like I think this might work to like actually speaking to customers, speaking to potential customers, understanding their problems. Okay. And building solutions around that, and then empowering our product managers and our you know our leaders to do the same thing to really get feedback from people. That's that's how I'm doing things. All right, I'm trying to figure out what do I take away from the triple whale story, Max. Here's what I got. Number one, obviously, it's if you find a thing that you need, and there's no software as an entrepreneur that who's plugged into the software world. There's no software that does it for you. Create it for yourself and see if it could become a product that you can sell to other people. Right. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. Now, the, the next thing I'm getting from you is there's just more 
more potential growth, more potential revenue from building a product that's close to your customer's revenue, that the closer you get to it, like if you would have built another tool that would have made people's sites look better, that's nice. But if you're helping them with their profit, with making sure that their spending is good, that's valuable. Yeah. What, what else? Oh, dashboards. Here's another thing. I've noticed actually that dashboards are big in every industry. If you could build a dashboard for something, that that's helpful and it gets your foot in the door and allows you to grow beyond that. What am I, t- am I taking the yeah. right messages away from your story? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. What else? I feel like I'm missing something. Cause you're, I, I see your eyes when I hit on something right. And I, and I'm looking at them now and I haven't seen that. I, I just think for me, entrepreneurship has been a, an amazing journey and to have the context of like life is a journey and that really, when you think there's a mistake you made, you realize that it's really just a connection to the next big thing. And you're constantly like, I guess you could say failing. If you're failing, but you're picking up something, it gives a failure, right? You're, you're linking it into the overall. And, um, and for me, I've just always been thinking outside of like the norms um, and, and, and talking with people and figuring out how I can solve problems. And I think another big, another big thing is that whenever you have a spreadsheet, it's really just a SaaS company ready to be made. If you're using a, if you're using a spreadsheet yes. or something, it's another SaaS company like ready to go. You know. All right. Uh, um, another thing. Yes. Well, let me let me. Here's another thing that may be very helpful. Like, I, it's been a realization the past week for me. Let's say. I think. Our, one of our, some of our biggest attributes to, to success, not having a great product. Honestly, it's, it's an amazing product. The team has created something unbelievable. But you do need distribution. You have a good problem. You can have a good product, but horrible marketing. Nobody hears about it, right? Marketing and buying ads and paid media, like that'll always be there. It's going to change, and the way you do it will change. And, but really, the, what I think is going to the winners are going to be are the, are the people that learn how to create a, a real authentic. And it might sound cliche, people say it all the time, but a community around what you're doing, it's powerful. It's huge. And we have done that. Our marketing has been more about education and content and, and focused on education in, in the right places where there are pockets of our users. And um, people trust us. We're very transparent. And uh, Like, like where? Where do you do that? I, I think that Devin told Twitter. me that he's on Twitter. Twitter is super active. Just type in Triple on the Twitter. You'll see it. We have. I'm going to go to Twitter pod- right now. There's a link on the bottom of your site. Yeah. Podcast. By the way, I love that you got the full domain. It used to be trytriplewhale.com. Now it's just triplewhale.com. I think we just, can, can I tell you a secret? We just switched that today. <laughs> oh, is that right? Because I'm still like in my browser. It's still going into try triple whale. It's not because of you. It's because I've typed it in before. And so when I try <laughs> triple, triple whale, it goes to the history. Um, yeah. Congratulations on getting that. So it's Twitter <laughs> that you're active in. Twitter and um, TikTok. We actually just we brought somebody on. Okay. Um, shout out to John. He just finally got some TikToks to take off, and it's been interesting to see how a business B two B can utilize TikTok. But we've done some really cool stuff there. Instagram has been great. Instagram Reels, uh, really engaging. On on Twitter, we've brought we've built like four podcasts, different channels, like different subjects. Like there's one about founders. There's one about running uh, paid media. Um, I didn't things. realize you guys have a podcast. Yeah, multiple. Yeah. Oh, here it's one, on the bottom of your site. You are not your Roaz is one of them. <laughs> it's okay. A fun one. Um, and then taking those podcasts, and I'm sure you know, but like splicing up into many 
content bites and getting them all over the place. YouTube. You're doing that in-house? Yep. And that's worked for you? It's worked better than, than anything so far. Like our, our growth has been through the content, organic, viral. And then apparently you're also, is it Discord that you use for your community of, uh, of e-commerce Slack. company? Slack. Slack. So you've got a Slack that, yeah. and then they all get to talk to each other, talk to you. Got it's it. called Norwal Nation. <laughs> Norwal Nation. What's Norwal? It's, it's a whale. Oh, got it. Where <laughs> do I see that? Very, you have to be a customer to see that one. <laughs> got it. Yeah. All right. I'm so glad that I got to meet you. I never would have known from the outside. Truthfully, I feel like as good as you are at social and, and getting the word out there, I'd love to, I don't think you have the time for it. I'd love to see you, Max, more like pontificating. How many idiots with nothing going on are pontificating on Twitter? I'd like for you to say, here's the way it really is. I'm always trying to figure out, like, to be honest, just like getting like that confidence to just write stuff. You know, he's always been a blocker of mine. So I'm trying to get more into that. Yeah. So it sounds like you're pretty good at that. If you have any tips for me, you know, how can I get more? Truthfully, I don't. I, I, I'm much Got better it. at extracting other people's ideas. And I, and I love that instead of saying, hey, look at me and what I know. And I know everything to say, hey, look at this person who's done an amazing thing. And to that way where you guys are showing off what other clients, what other people are doing online, I feel like that's a much better long-term growth. But I would like to see a little bit more of Max's like vision and wisdom and what's worked for you, especially in a world where there are a lot of idiots who are, like I said, just pontificating with nothing. I really appreciate that. Thank All you. right, Max. <clears throat> Thank you so fun. much for being here. The website is triplewhale.com. You don't even need to hit the try triplewhale.com anymore. Straight up. <laughs> Congratulations. Great. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Cool, man. Thanks for doing this. That was fun.